Well, today I want to share with you a passage from Romans chapter 8, which I've just really been enjoying lately. And it's given me a real confidence boost because it just helps me to see that when it comes to prayer, that when I start, I am not alone. God is right there with me and he's actively helping me. And it's not also, it's not just about the words that you say in prayer, but it's also about the words that he is saying in prayer as well. So um, I'm going to bring it up on the screen right now and I'll just, I'll just read it. So it's Roman 8, Romans chapter 8, 26 to 28. And it says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'll just pray before I, I get into this. God, we just thank you, Lord that you are here with us, we're not alone, and Father, we just thank you for the amazing time of worship that we all enjoyed this morning, and God, I also just thank you that, you know, at church as well, we can enjoy just a great time of fellowship, um, not just come here and carry burdens all on our own, but even just find the help that we need from each other, and God, I just thank you, would you help us all, God, even myself included, to listen to what you want to say, and God, we open up our minds, but also our hearts to you right now amen amen so just a quick drinks break everybody so because of the impact of living in a sinful and fallen world we just don't have the strength that you know we, we just don't possess the strength to be able to follow god on our own our desires aren't strong enough our understanding isn't strong enough our faith isn't consistent enough when it comes to suffering and trials, you know, we can easily be overcome by disappointment and fear and resentment. We might tell God, hey, you know, I'm going to do my quiet time tomorrow. But then you wake up the next day and it doesn't happen. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been like, like there's a, a scene in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus tells his disciples, three of them, stay here and pray. And then he comes back after taking three breaks from prayer and three times in a row, they're asleep. So we're just not strong enough to follow God in our own strength, and we need help. And thankfully, he's given us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, as it says in verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, which is one of the key focuses we're going to look at today. He helps us to be patient. He helps us to love others. But what this passage is all about is how he actually helps us in prayer. So there's two, two key things that... This scripture is going to teach us about prayer, which I want to share with you this morning. The first one is why we need help in prayer. And the second one is how the Spirit helps us in prayer. So why we need help and how the Spirit helps us in prayer. So why do we need help in prayer? The, the reason that we're given in verse 26 is because we do not know what we ought to pray for. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Another translation puts this same passage slightly better. It says, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. So in other words, our prayers are weak and ineffective because we don't pray for the right things or we don't pray in the right way. 
So our prayers are always going to be weak and ineffective because we're either not going to pray for the right things or we're not going to pray in the right way. So when we don't pray for the right things, that means we might ask God for one thing when really we should be asking him for something else. But just due to our limited understanding, just due to our limited perspective of maybe the trial that we're going through, we might ask him for one thing when really we should be asking him for something else. Like, for example, you might ask God to rescue you from a really difficult situation when perhaps his will for you in that moment is actually for you to be praying for patience. You might ask God to make you rich when perhaps what he wants to give you is contentment. You know, the Apostle Paul, he prayed that God would deliver him from the thorn in the flesh, but what God wanted Paul to pray for was actually for the grace and the patience to endure it. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. So on the one hand, we don't pray for the right things. But also on the other hand, we don't pray in the right way. And we've already seen an example of that, haven't we, on the screen just before with Greg. Three things I pray. So our prayers, they lack sincerity, they lack humility, they lack faith, and they lack perseverance. Or maybe, or maybe, for instance, we might pray for the right things, but then we're going to be let down by maybe the way that we pray. So one of these two things is always going to make our prayers weak and ineffective. So just for example, in terms of um, not praying in the right way, you might be praying, but really in your mind and your heart, you're just a million miles away. Or you might be praying, doing your very best to pray a prayer of faith, when really your mind and your heart is just riddled with doubt. And you know it, but you just can't seem to muster up that strength to be able to really apply yourself to that prayer of faith. But in Jesus, we have this incredible example of someone who can pray in the right way and pray for the right things. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's on his knees and he is agonizing in prayer and is actually experiencing fear because of his humanity, we see him still be able to muster up this incredible power and strength to be able to pray a prayer in the right way where he says, God, not my will, but your will be done. It's bold, it's persistent, it's got courage, it's perse he's persevering, he doesn't lose heart. And he prays on total, and I'm not saying that you need to do this, but he prays for about three hours. He comes out of it once and then he just feels this sort of fear rise in him again so he goes straight back into it and he conquers it again then he comes out of it and he feels it come back so he goes in three times and then when he is arrested in the garden of Gethsemane Judas is actually expecting him to go up to Jesus who will be at the back of the pack give him the kiss on the cheek to show the soldiers who to arrest but Jesus breaks through the disciples and walks straight up to Judas because his knees were quivering before he went into the garden but now they're not but because the disciples fell asleep, they all flee and they all run away. So we have this, you know, just in that he's praying in the right way. But then there's this other amazing example when just before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus pray for the right thing. He offers up the right prayer at the right time. So the situation is he predicts accurately that, that, um, that Peter who also goes by the name Simon, that Peter will soon deny him three times. And Peter is outraged. He can't believe that, that he would deny 
his saviour three times? No way. Jesus, uh, Simon Peter, is, he is outraged that Jesus would so underestimate him. And then the, he, we see this prayer that Jesus prays for the right thing. And it will bring it up on the screen. He says, Simon, Simon, pay attention. Satan has demanded to have you all, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. So what's really interesting here in this passage, and, and maybe you've already seen it, is that he isn't praying that Peter wouldn't fail. He isn't praying that Peter won't go through this difficult situation. What he's praying for is that Peter's faith wouldn't fail. Even though he knows Peter will deny him, he doesn't pray that that situation won't happen. He just prays that after it does happen, that Peter's faith wouldn't fail. And so it's kind of incredible that he, he can foresee the situation that Peter's going to go through. It's going to be a negative situation, but he is praying right there in that moment that Peter's faith wouldn't fail. So he knows the exact prayer to pray, and he offers it up at the right time. But for us, that's not the case. We're too, we're too weak. <laughs> we can't pray for the right things. We can't pray in the right way. But just to return us back to that Romans 8 verse that we're looking at, thankfully, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we'll, we'll unpack that a bit. So how does the Spirit help us in prayer? How does He actually do that? And here is one of the most understood, misunderstood verses, perhaps, in the Bible. It says this. It says, The Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So to intercede is to intervene on behalf of one another. It's a legal term. So if you can imagine you've got a lawyer that is intervening on behalf of their client and, and the, it's the lawyer who is speaking directly to the judge on behalf of their client. And when we pray, the Spirit is actually interceding and intervening on our behalf by praying to the Father for us through wordless groans. So the word groans means sigh or longing. It's a, so it's actually a sigh or longing. So it's, it's conveying almost the intensity and the desperation of those prayers that he prays for us. But wordless in this, in this verse, and we could go into a rabbit hole with this, look it up for yourself if you'd like to, but it means inaudible or something you can't hear. So wordless is in, these are, these are groans, but they don't have a sound. So when you put it all together, what it's saying is the Holy Spirit is praying from within us and is praying for us with this intensity and with this desperation, but you can't hear it and you can't see it. Maybe you might have this sense in your heart. You might feel it maybe sometimes or maybe you won't, but you most definitely won't hear it or see it because they are wordless groans. But the Father hears them. That's the point. The Father understands them. He knows what the Spirit is saying. And the crazy thing is because the Holy Spirit dwells within our hearts, right, He knows and He is aware of our deepest needs, even the, the needs that you yourself aren't aware of. And that's something I've been thinking about lately is the Bible tells us that we should be praying and telling God all of our needs. But the catch with that is, there are needs that we have that we don't even know that we have 
Or there are needs that we have that we can't even find the right words for. Like, if, have you ever been upset and someone says, what's wrong? And you just ramble and you don't feel like you quite catch it. Or, or maybe they might say, hey, what's wrong? But you just can't find the right words for it. The Holy Spirit knows all of your needs, your deepest needs, and he is actually lifting those up to the Father in a way that you can't hear them, but the way that the Father hears them, he understands them. And more than that, he's lifting up those prayers and he's praying those in accordance with the will of the Father, in accordance with his will and his purpose for our lives. So what is the will and the purpose of of God for our lives, well, at a general level, it is just the internal security of our soul. The evidence of that is in what he's already done for us. He's given us Jesus to die for us, to pave a way into salvation for us. And then he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us to live out that salvation. But then you might also go, all right, cool, at a general level, I get that. But but what about when you're in situations, in a very specific situation where you're going, I just don't know what to do. What, what is God's will for me in this situation I'm facing right now at school or at university, at work or at home? Should I do this or should I do that? And you, you read the Bible and you don't find anything that's saying, hey, here is how you should parent your children in terms of the internet, or here is how you do this, or here is how you do that. There is going to be some stuff where you go, in this specific situation, what is the will and the purpose of God for me? So I'll just give an example for myself. At work, I'm really sensing at the moment that there are some new opportunities in, in my workplace that I feel like maybe God want, wants me to step into. I can't know exactly for sure, but I just sense that there is potentially an open door into some new exciting things. And so I'm praying about that actively at the moment. But there's, there's always that question, what if, what if maybe God's not opening the door for me? What if he's closing the door? How, do, how am I supposed to know? But what I take comfort from with this verse is that, man, I'm just going to pray about it anyway. On my heart, I am going to be praying, God, open up this door, pave this way for me. Because I can take comfort that even if maybe I'm not praying for what is the will of God, the Holy Spirit himself who lives within me, he's actively interceding. And so he's throwing his prayer also into the mix. Perhaps his prayer joins with mine in agreement. Perhaps it corrects mine. Maybe I'm praying for an open door when perhaps I just need patience or perhaps for reasons I don't know because he can see what I can't see perhaps he's actually contradicting that prayer because perhaps I shouldn't be going into this new field when perhaps I should just be staying where I am right now and that kind of happened to me a few years ago I was really just unhappy in this in the workplace I used to be at and so I applied to get some other position and I failed miserably in the interview and I never got it, but it was the best thing that ever happened that I didn't get that job because then I pretty much got promoted six months later and then, yeah, I got slotted into a job I never would have applied for in the first place. So I work in training and development um, and I never would have applied to be in this job. But basically, it was just, to cut a long story short, I applied for a job, didn't get it, and because I didn't get it, things just got better for me. And so it was just like... It was just, it was crazy. I wanted it so bad, it didn't work out. But it's like, 
God has a way of making all things work out for the good of those who love him. So he's always steering us to where we need to go. He's always keeping us within his will. You know, earlier I told you about that, that scene where Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny him. He sees the trial that Peter is about to face that Peter can't see. And then Jesus offers up the right prayer at the right time. And like I mentioned before, he doesn't pray that Peter wouldn't deny him, but he, rather he prays that even after Peter does deny him, that his faith won't fail. And the next day, Peter faces the trial three times in a row, denies Jesus. And when he hears the rooster crow, he is just distraught. He is beside himself. He's crushed, but his faith remains strong. It never fails. And there's two things in that story that we see that we can relate to. First of all, we can clearly see Peter's human weakness. He had no idea that the next day was going to be one of the darkest moments in his life. We can see that. But what we also see is the power of Jesus' prayer that he prayed on his behalf. Everything works out just as Jesus predicted, the denial, but everything works out according to Jesus' prayer. So Jesus' prayer is so strong and so powerful that it actually just changes and alters the outcome of Peter's life. And uh, I, I hadn't planned on, on sort of factoring this in, but this is just some bonus information for you. I've just been talking about the Holy Spirit interceding on your behalf. But get this, it gets even better. In Romans 8, 34, it says, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So what you've actually got is you've got two advocates, both of whom are pleading for you. One, within your heart, interceding for you in accordance with God's will. And you've got another advocate, Jesus, the, the perfecter and the champion, standing at the right hand, sorry, sitting at the right-hand side of God, also pleading for you. So you were covered by so much prayer. And that is why it can say with as much confidence as it does, in that scripture right there, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So it's not so much about the strength of your grip on God, it's actually about the strength of his grip on you. And that's, that is just what's so powerful. So that's why you need to know that when you're going into prayer, on your own, your prayers won't cut it. They're too weak. But the the, the factor that makes the difference isn't so much your prayers, it's the Holy Spirit's prayer. It's also your advocate in heaven, Jesus' prayer. Those are the things that change the course of your life and keep you within the will and the purpose of God. So I know that you know some of you are in really difficult situations right now. And I know that you might be feeling like God is withholding his favor from you. You look at other people around you and you go, God, you know, why is my life like this? But everyone else is like that. But what you just got to be thinking about is just that prayer that Jesus prays for Peter. It's not that he doesn't pray that the, the negative thing won't happen, but he's, he's praying for that protection of his soul despite that. 
And then we see Peter go on to strength, to strength, to strength. This guy who failed at this critical moment six weeks later is the guy that stands up and preaches this incredible prayer on the day of Pentecost that saves like 3,000 people. You know, so he's, he's taking all of those, those situations that are really difficult and he's actually working them out for our good. So just know this, you're not alone in prayer. He's at work helping you in ways you can't see and hear. Here. And this morning, my call to action for you is just take the confidence that God wants to give you and approach him confidently in prayer because you can. You're covered by the prayers of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. You're also covered by the prayers of Jesus in heaven. All right, let's.